shows all week long. DSRs Tuesday through Thursday. Michigan hockey begins this weekend, too. Exhibition game against the U.S. Under-18 team Saturday. That's a late start at 8.30. That game you can listen to on the sports stream as well. So good job, everybody, in studio tonight. Rushi, Tobin, Wiggles, Jeremy, and Stu. I'm Rob from Ann Arbor. Shana Tova. This is WCBN Sports, your place to hear the best and brightest minds in all of college football. Like Brian Cook. Tate Forcier, yes. Uh, quarterback commit from uh, California. Younger brother, of course, Jason Forcier, who by all rights should be the starting quarterback this year. Kind of a shortish guy. Um, six foot maybe, six one maybe. Um, it's really hard to make any comparisons based on highlight video, but the guy he reminded me of when I watched his was uh, Drew Tate. And Terry Bowden, former head coach of the Auburn Tigers and current analyst for Westwood One. Terry, who wins more games this year, your dad or your brother? Oh, Tommy should. Tommy's got an outstanding team. My brother Tommy has a dark horse team. They should win the ACC, and they've got a chance to run the table. My dad's probably, if he could get nine wins, it would get him in the right way. So, you know, I, I pulled for my dad. i got to pull for the old man. But Tommy's got the best team this year. Well, uh, good evening, and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters here on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And uh, I guess uh, we'll get to the serious stuff here in a second. But I'd certainly like to dedicate tonight's show to Paul Newman. Indeed. Uh, Paul Newman was kind of one of those guys that I grew up with. Because he uh, briefly attended the uh, university in my hometown, and uh, there was a poster of Paul Newman in this sort of sundry magazine pinball joint that I used to go to. And, of course, when I was a kid growing up, Cool Hand Luke, Butch Cassidy, Judge Roy Bean, those kinds of movies I saw when they came out, and uh, I always loved Paul Newman. He wasn't the greatest actor in the world. But that kind of anti-hero and those amazing blue eyes. <laughs> and uh, I think it's a perfect lead-in uh, in terms of one of his great movies. I think my favorite Paul Newman movie, just from personal uh, perspectives other than maybe Cool Hand Luke for sentimental reasons, is Cat on a Hat, Tin Roof. That's based on a great uh, play by uh, Tennessee Williams. Yep. Outstanding performances by Newman and Burl Ives. And Elizabeth Taylor. There. Elizabeth Taylor, yeah. maybe one of her best movies. That's actually. like a slow motion train wreck, that story. Yeah, it's a great story. But uh, The Sting, what a great movie. And if, I don't want to reveal the, the plot of The Sting if you've never seen it, but uh, that is a perfect metaphor to some degree about what we're talking about here with this financial disaster. Because if you'll remember in the movie, it's, it's a confidence game. Indeed it is, <laughs> in both sense of the word. Yeah, and of course there's a setup, and it's a brilliant movie uh, about, you know, friendly, shady kind of guys. Not not your mobster types, but definitely guys that work a little bit uh, outside the law, gamblers, that kind of thing. And The Sting is a perfect metaphor um, for what's going on here today. Now, obviously, this bailout uh, package that failed, disastrous consequences. Um, 
The stock market went down, uh, the S&P went down 9% today. This is a genuine crash. Uh, and the question now is, this is, is it going to keep crashing? Um, but a trillion dollars of paper wealth has been wiped out of the American economy in one day. And I don't think there's any cashola to bail it out, to be honest with you. And it was interesting that a combination of left-wing Democrats and so-called right-wing Republicans uh, defeated this bill. Basically, the center failed, and uh, we'll see what happens. But I don't think the Democratic Party is under any obligation to pass a George Bush, Henry Paulson style bill at this point. They've done their job, and it was the Republican leadership that failed the country today. And I wanted to give out a couple of brain damage awards specifically. I watched some of the closing debate today on C-SPAN. Uh, I don't think I've done that since the Iraq War. Watched C-SPAN live to watch a current congressional debate that's in motion, that's not censored, that's not shall we say, uh, picked, you know, where the bones are picked off the, the flesh for sound bites. You got to see some real leadership, some real passion, and, of course, some real stupidity. Uh, when a Michigan congressman named Thaddeus McCotter characterizes this as a choice between, he, he briefly mentioned the Bolshevik re Revolution, threw in a slogan about it, and then said, well, this is a choice between bread and freedom, and I'm choosing freedom. <laughs> You're dealing with nut, nutcases here, and I think today marks the uh, end of the Republican Party as we know it. Um, I think they're going to go down in a landslide at this point. The question is, can McCain hang on in the Electoral College to maybe win the presidency? But this uh, Republican Congress is uh, finished. Um, I hope there's retribution over the next couple of days. I hope there are seizures of uh, regional banks in the South and in some of the red states, uh, and there is no buyer. In other words, the FDIC just needs to close them down. Tell the depositors, come in and get your money. But credit around here is no longer possible for anybody. If you want to borrow money, Go find a pawnbroker, because that's the or way. Or a it's, Kuwaiti, or a Kuwaiti, or an Arab, or somebody. You know, you're so worried about foreign uh, takeovers of the system. Uh, look, the foreigners are buying up assets right and left as we speak. Oh, it's a buyer's market for them. And this is about cash. A couple weeks ago, I said this is not just about regulation or the failure of reg regulation. This is about accounting and generally accepted accounting procedures and the physical disaster that America is in is a direct result of essentially 40 years of war and deficit spending that the Republican Party has brought to us. And when I see that there's a continuing resolution containing $490 billion for the Defense Department with the Afghan and Iraq money put off to the side somewhere that's not on the books... I know that the lunatics have taken over the asylum, and I don't know what's going to happen. Nobody knows, but uh, the credit markets are frozen. All of the global financial experts claim something has to happen. And uh, in honor of Paul Newman, who dedicated his career to 
humanitarian aid for children, working against Ronald Reagan's nuclear buildup in the 80s. He was one of the leaders of the SANE movement. Mm -hmm. We dedicate the show to Paul Newman for his great work on behalf of liberal causes. And one of my favorite quotes that Paul Newman made was that he said, the greatest honor of my life was being put on Richard Nixon's enemies list. It's unfortunate that more uh, people in his position don't uh, take up that mantle and uh, use their fame and their wealth um, for such noble causes. Uh, yeah, the writing is on the wall. We've got the uh, German finance minister, Pierre Steinbrück, making this uh, statement that uh, 10 years ago would have seemed ludicrous. But uh, as he stated it, uh, September 26th, it's quoted in the Financial Times, quote, the U.S. will lose its status as the superpower of the world financial system. This world will become multipolar with the emergence of stronger, better capitalized centers in Asia and Europe. The world will never be the same again. This that's is a, true. That's a fairly accurate statement. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, it's not like the crops aren't going to grow anymore and the sun won't come up anymore. But uh, the sun has set on uh, the America that, uh, well, we grew up with. Yeah, and life is going to change. Um, the we're already in a recession. Um, the debate about that, Bush, the Bush administration concocted a growth number for the second quarter that was based on... Uh, frankly, $150 billion of tax rebates that the Treasury Department gave away to American consumers. That's not economic growth. That's just more deficit spending. And um, I dare say that what you're, one area besides banking where, you know, these people are so concerned about Wall Street, look, the big Wall Street banks are buying up. Uh, in just the last two business days, we've had the biggest savings and loan collapse in American history, and today we had the largest bank in American history bought up for virtually nothing, and, and I'm talking here about Washington Mutual and Wachovia. Mm -hmm. uh, Washington Mutual, based out west, uh, of course, is exposed to a lot of problems in California, uh, mortgage-wise, and uh, Wachovia is an international bank based in North Carolina. Well, they've just been bought up by two New York banks. Uh, this problem that we're having right now is that this is not a, quote, Wall Street bailout. This is a credit banking crisis. Um, the credit is frozen, and the banking crisis is going to continue. Uh, it's not going to be the Great Depression in terms of the number of institutions that fail, but uh, it strikes me that uh, the FDIC is going to be very active probably in the next several uh, days if not weeks, uh, taking over uh, regional banks that uh, do have uh, mortgage uh, problems, uh, balance sheet problems in accounting terms, and there need to be more uh, failures uh, promptly to send the message to the Republican Party that they have put partisan politics above their country. I thought that Barney Frank put that pretty well. He pointed out that the bill isn't perfect, and it's not perfect, and there were many liberal Democrats that voted against it for different reasons. But uh, the notion that this is about a choice between bread and freedom is pure nonsense. This is a choice between 
uh, the American way of life as we know it uh, over the last 50 years versus uh, what it was like uh, pre-Depression. Um, my parents were both born during the Great Depression. My mother grew up in a rural area of Nevada where um, what you got for Christmas was an orange. That was all you got. Yeah, my grandmother used to talk about that. And meals consisted pretty much of potatoes and gravy, that kind of food. Um, my father grew up in New York City. But luckily for him, his father had a job with the post office. He was employed. They were lower middle class, typical American family, two sons, you know, uh, a housewife, quote unquote, at home, because those were uh, the way the times worked. Mm -hmm. um, so when I hear uh, these young Republicans who buck the leadership primarily, and they're almost all from the South, um, characterizing this bill as uh, socialism versus, uh, you know, the Russian Revolution. I'm voting against this because of the Russian Revolution. These people are clueless. And uh, quite frankly, they need to be thrown out of office. Uh, unfortunately, many of them aren't going to be because of gerrymandering. They, they, they live in safe districts. But we are going to see a Democratic landslide uh, this year. Uh, the question is, how big is it going to be? And uh, how disastrous is Sarah Palin going to be on Thursday night uh, as she gets primped and prepped at debate boot camp at John McCain's ranch? Should be very interesting. Well, hopefully she can uh, master the word caricature. Yeah. Which apparently she stumbled over uh, in her uh, interview with uh, Katie Couric. Uh, I happened across, certainly didn't seek it out, but happened across some of her interview with Sean Hannity. And that's not even really an interview. It yeah. was a sort of a... I'll say a bunch of things and then put you into a corner where you have to say, yes, I agree with that. Exactly. And, uh, I mean, it was, was not an interview at all. Um, the Her fact that she was tripped up by genial old, good old cheerleader girl Katie Couric is uh, not a good sign. Oh, that, that interview is frightening. Um, Sarah Palin is no more qualified to run America, and she could become president because... John McCain, look, he's just been a yo-yo the last several weeks. This idea, you know, I'm suspending my campaign to go save, the, you know, to go negotiate a, a deal here. And, and, you know, all the theatrics that were involved last week was just, I mean, it was a joke. This guy is, uh, as the saying goes, you know, he wants to take his marbles and go home. No, no, no. He's lost his marbles. Um, <laughs> and maybe can't find which home to go to. Turned into a yo-yo. And unfortunately... Um, these this this presidential uh, team that they've got is, is sort of turned into a hockey puck with lipstick and a yo-yo, and uh, I'm not too sure what they have to offer except the culture war. Um, I don't think that talking about guns and abortion and gay marriage uh, is going to work this time. No, not with things the way they are, and. Uh and, of course, her understanding of what the hell's going on in the Middle East or Pakistan is, is frightening. Um, look, uh, there are already 
in events in, in, in the Pakistan-Afghan situation in which the United States military is being fired on by the Pakistani military. Yeah, over the weekend. That's Warning the first shots. time they've that the, the U.S. Yeah, has admitted it. Exactly, which means that it has happened before. Indeed, these cross-border uh, excursions are uh, troubling, uh, to put it mildly. Over the weekend, uh, Tariq Ali, uh, noted uh, left-wing writer from England of Pakistani origin, was saying that yet again the Iraq War offers us another Vietnam parallel. When the war was going poorly in Vietnam, Nixon and Kissinger expanded it into Laos and Cambodia. And uh, here we see potentially a similar thing going on. And that's one area where I was a little disappointed in what uh, Obama had to say about Pakistan in the debate. He was right, of course, I think, in saying that, that America had lost the Pakistani people uh, by throwing in with Musharraf. The mm -hmm. man's a dictator. Um, but I'm not really sure that the Pakistani people were ever really on our side no. in the war on terror. There's plenty of evidence to suggest that the uh, Pakistani intelligence service, the ISI, is itself ridden with, you know, Taliban sympathizers. Mm -hmm. um, and so there are a lot of problems there. And as you've postulated a number of times, that's probably where Osama bin Laden is. Sure. So as far, you know, Obama has to say something to the effect of if bin Laden is in Pakistan and Pakistan won't help us get him, then we will do something about it. Uh, you know, think back to a few years ago when Bush kind of blithely said, well, I just don't think much about Osama bin Laden. It's not something I think about. Uh, of course, pursuing al-Qaeda and taking care of business in Afghanistan would have been a much more logical response to 9-11 than the war in Iraq, which has been completely disastrous in every possible way. Yeah, and it's interesting that the combined expenses of the so-called war on terror thus far are exactly the amount of money that the Treasury Department, I mean roughly the amount of money that the Treasury Department is requesting in this Paulson bill. Which, and by the way, the Paulson bill, I mean, that was originally a three-page three document that pretty much gave all the power to the Treasury Secretary, and this has been pared down considerably. I mean, I, I don't know all of the details of the bill that went down to defeat today. And indeed, I may have voted against it on uh, certain ideological grounds myself. But um, the, the Democrats now need to put a bill onto Bush's desk. And if yeah. he doesn't sign it, he's taken on uh, right. the uh, failed... Well, the, the, well, look, the stock market crashes, the, the Republican... The Republicans own this. The Re Republicans own the Iraq war. They own the failing economy. Um, and now they own the failed... High oil prices, falling dollar. Failed rescue bill uh, themselves. And, I, you know, I want to also pierce a myth that is promoted uh, frequently in with people who call in to talk show radio and the myth that the Republican Party is somehow um, dedicated to small business. Uh, this is a minor item from the uh, 12th of June here by Elizabeth Olson, and it involved um, the uh, departure of uh, the head of the Small Business Administration, a guy by the name of uh, Stephen Preston. Uh, she writes uh, his signature accomplishment as head of the SBA was overhauling the agency's disaster loan assistance program, a program that was foundering under the crush 
of Hurricane Katrina claims when he took over nearly two years ago. Mr. Preston has now moved on. He started this week as Secretary of HUD. <laughs> Goes from one minor disaster to another. While he streamlined the way the SBA worked, he left behind various problems that critics and small business groups say are particularly troublesome in a weakened economy. They cite the need for greater availability of loans in particular. And because his departure comes in the waning months of the Bush administration, it is unlikely that a permanent leader for the SBA with a mandate to make major changes will arrive before next year. Um, quote, while they focused on disaster assistance, there has been criticism that this agency has ignored small business, said Karen Kerrigan, president of the chief executive of the Small Business and Entrepreneurial Council, which represents 70,000 small businesses. They go into the difficulty regarding the hurricane um, assistance problems. And she writes, the agency's difficulty in getting hurricane assistance to small businesses and homeowners showed how years of cuts, 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 cuts by the Bush administration had taken a toll. The Small Business Administration's budget this year was $482 million, less than half of what it was in 2001. $482 million. That's the equivalent, by the way, of some of the earmarks uh, that recently made their way through Congress. Um, and, of course, uh, fascinating to see that, you know, the biggest recipients of these, uh, some of the biggest recipients of these, uh, quote, earmarks that John McCain is so concerned about that he talked about repeatedly in the debate. Uh, by the way, they total $16.5 billion uh, in the fiscal year that just ended. But, of course, some of the leading recipients of this money are people like Senator Sad, uh, Thad Cochran of uh, Mississippi, Ted Stevens, who's uh, currently under indictment mm -hmm. at uh, Sarah Palin's home state. <laughs> thanks, but no thanks. Well, yeah. I think that uh, canard and lie has been exposed plenty. There was no thanks, but no thanks. Well, the Republicans used to talk a lot about, you know, getting government off your back was the Reagan mantra and small government. And this is the same batch of, you know... People who gave us the Patriot Act yeah. and rammed it down our throats. But needless to say, this article then goes on to continue uh, analyzing problems at the Small Business Administration, including complaints from minority business owners, um, female uh, entrepreneurs. No shock there that the Small Business Administration would cut its budget in half during uh, the Bush presidency. Um, this pierces the myth that the Republican Party is somehow devoted to small business. This, of course, the SBA is a, a government bank, essentially, small bank that, that does uh, give out small loans to small business. Um, that's the reality. Those are the facts. The budget's been cut in half. The Pentagon budget, by the way, has gone under Bush from about $290 billion to $495 billion. And needless to say, this was not discussed with any sort of uh, honesty or truthfulness or truthiness. 
In the debate last week, John McCain kept talking about the earmarks. This man is uh, out of touch with reality. He talked about the fact that he would not cut the Pentagon, not cut entitlements, and not cut, as he put it, aid to our veterans. What he ignored is that the government is compelled to pay interest on the debt. Last year, that total was $244 billion. Um, an enormous sum. That's mandatory spending. You can't cut that spending, Mr. McCain. And I don't know which kitchen table at which house you discussed the federal budget at with uh, that cow, cowpoke girl that you got or whatever he, he said on the campaign trail. I'm going to put her up in the beauty pageant, which foreshadowed uh, the selection of Sarah Palin. But uh, John McCain doesn't understand even the basics of the federal budget. He talks about reform and cutting this and cutting that. There's actually very little to cut in the federal budget other than the Pentagon, if you want to talk about discretionary spending. Um, and uh, he's taken that off the table. So don't buy this baloney that he's a fiscal conservative. And, of course, listening to the Republicans today uh, in, in opposing the bill, talking about protecting the American taxpayers that they're looking out for the American taxpayers. It's this deficit spending, it's interest on the national debt that's exploded under Reagan, under Bush the first, under Bush the second, and uh, it's out of control. And it's out of control because these people are not fiscal conservatives. They are defunding, decapitalizing the United States of America. And alas, the lunatics have indeed been in control of the asylum for the last 28 years, for the most part. Well, and as you say, too, the Republican Party, as it was once understood to exist, is really rending itself apart at the seams with this sort of... Well, it's going to, it's going to collapse this year. It's the, there's a, a complete division in the Republican Party that John McCain cannot breach. He cannot heal the breach. Um, Sarah Palin was his... Uh, Cosmetic makeover? His lipstick <laughs> to try and uh, bridge the gap temporarily. But you can see in this recent uh, the, the defeat today that there's a complete schism uh, in the uh, Republican Party. And look, uh, the, origin, the origins of the Republican Party, by the way, were the, was the f failure of the Whigs. Abraham Lincoln was originally a Whig. Indeed. And... Uh, the Whigs went by the wayside after they started having debates within their party about slavery, the free soil movement, all that stuff. Martin Van Buren and whatnot um, was ran as an independent at one point, even though he was a Democrat. Very interesting American history. But um, I actually, I, I think the only question now is whether the Republican Party implodes this election or next election. Because even if McCain wins, he's going to inherit this GOP economy stupid, <laughs> and what's he going to do with it? Um, well, he's going to cut some earmarks here and there, but uh, he ain't going to be able to reform too much unless he looks at the Pentagon budget, and he's already said he's not going to look there. So, No, in fact, he even hinted that it might be expanded, uh, his uh, bellicosity with regards to Iran 
was interesting and kind of an amusing moment when uh, Obama kind of trumped McCain with the Kissinger reference. Oh, yeah. Um, good, to, good to see that Sarah Palin is, is going to Henry Kissinger for counseling on foreign affairs. Perhaps um, he gave her a history lesson on the... Uh, Lean a little closer, my darling. Mitternick and, uh, you know, the... Jill St. John. <laughs> the, the wars of Spanish succession. Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. Nobody expects the Alaskan Inquisition either. Which, well, it, you know, apparently right. Palin and her hubby agreed to co cooperate, but now have decided not to. Amazing. As, as hard to believe as it is that there are people who haven't really made up their minds yet, um, it was interesting to see that McCain's refusal to even look at Obama during the debate mm -hmm. was noticed by these undecided yeah. voters. I mean, there was a sort of inflexible rigidity there that was somewhat creepy. I mean, more creepy than usual. And... Uh, you know, I, little subtle things like that are, are going to affect the kind of person who might not understand the issues or be swayed by a position. Um, just looking at sort of, you know, the old polls that, you know, oh, John Kerry is a smart guy and a knowledgeable guy, but George Bush is more like the kind of guy you'd rather have a beer with. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know who votes for president based on that sort of approach. Well, um, but unfortunately, I think, too many people. Well, sadly, yeah, too many people do. They always say likability is the key issue in, in you know, the un the minds of the undecided. Well, oh. if, if you're leaning, dear listener, in that <laughs> likability camp, consider the following. Okay, the, the, the vice presidential debate is Thursday, right? Mm -hmm. And, of course, Joe Biden's going to have to be careful not to too badly trounce Sarah Palin because I think he'll come across as a bully there. Yeah. But realize that you might be looking at, should McCain win, you're really looking at President Palin because... This is a staggering um, description. Uh, this is a recent piece by Terry Allen in, uh, in these times. Um, McCain allowed, this is uh, her article called McCain's Aches and Pains. Uh, in the last 15 years, McCain has had every kind of skin cancer you can get. Basal cell, squamous cell, malignant melanoma. He's going to get another skin cancer, says NBC's chief medical uh, editor. Um, he predicts, anyway. McCain, earlier this year, allowed a few hand-picked news outlets three hours, an average nine seconds a page, to review 1,173 pages of medical records covering eight years. And here is uh, some of the findings. McCain is on... He's an aging man. He's the oldest guy to ever run for president. He's on numerous drugs for a panoply of age-appropriate ailments. I'm not going to read the medications, but just list the ailments. <laughs> Kidney, cholesterol, mm -hmm. sleeplessness, blood clots, allergies, blood pressure, dizziness, arthritis, uh, diverticulitis, which is an inflammation of the colon, kidney and bladder stones, benign cysts in both kidneys. He smoked two packs of cigarettes a day for 25 years. Wow. Mm -hmm. One of the symptoms for the medications that he takes is called acting awake. <laughs> this is when you're driving, eating, or talking while in drug-induced sleep, confusion, and dizziness. Explains a lot of his problems. It certainly does. <laughs> Remember this. As you watch the VP debates, can this country afford Moose Girl as president? Miss Moose. <laughs> Because, quite frankly, McCain's not likely to survive a first term. Well, you left out gout, probably. <laughs> I mean, 
You know he's on several, and let's face it, I'm taking penicillin at the moment. We're mm-hmm. all of us at any given point on one medication or another. But that, yeah, it would be. I'm no expert on pharmaceuticals at all because I've honestly never taken one other than occasionally the um, basic analgesics. Yeah, I mean I have, have never had a prescription for anything other than uh, I once had painkillers for um, a broken 